say uh, thank you to Philip, and uh, we appreciate you and the work you put in in the choir. We appreciate you, Wayne. Um, thank you. Uh, we're blessed uh, to have talented people in our church, and I'm grateful to God for them. Um, we're going to be in a couple of different scriptures. I'm going to have you stand. Um, and if you would, turn with me to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. We're going to read this scripture, and we're going to uh, highlight one thing, and then we're going to launch to another scripture. So, uh, Matthew 1.18, the birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. When Joseph got up from sleeping, he did as the Lord's angel commanded him. He married her, but did not know her intimately until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. You can be seated, and as you're, as you're sitting down, flip over with me to John chapter 3 and verse 16. Matthew says he was born to save his people from their sins. And we're going to talk about exactly what that means in John 3.16. We're just going to hone in on this one verse. And I'm going to talk to you about the love of God. You see, the love of God is very important to me because God changed my life. He, he turned me around. He, he changed me from the inside out. And I've never been the same since I put my trust in Jesus Christ. I've experienced the love of God in my life. I've experienced his faithfulness. I've experienced his answered prayer. I've experienced his comfort. Jesus Christ is not just a baby in a manger out of history. Jesus Christ is a living Savior who loves people. And God the Father loves people. Uh, Christmas is about God's love. And God's love expressed in the greatest gift that we could ever receive. We need the love of God in our lives. And um, the scripture here in John chapter 3 and verse 16 describes what God was doing at Christmas and gives some specifics that show us and demonstrate for us the love of God. The title of my message is The Greatness of God's Love. Look with me at John 3 and verse 16. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The greatness of God's love. What does God do to demonstrate his love for us? Well, first thing I want you to see is he invites generously. 
he invites generously. Have you ever been to a place where you didn't feel welcome? Um, maybe, maybe it was a, uh, I remember when I was in high school, they had a table where the cool kids sat, right? And uh, I remember one day somebody uh, trying to go up there and sit at the cool table, and they said, you can't sit here. And, you know, that that's really doesn't make you feel welcome. Uh, maybe you have not felt welcome with your family. You know, some of you may be dreading Christmas. You know, there's uh, something you're going to have to deal with in your family. Uh, maybe there have been times you haven't felt welcome in church. I hope not here, uh, but there may have been those times. Uh, we have all experienced what it feels like to not be welcome. But can I tell you, Jesus Christ welcomes every person. God the Father, it says, for God so loved the world. And he's not talking about this globe that we're on. He's talking about the people of the world. Every person in the world, God loves. Another scripture says this, it is not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of repentance. God invites generously. His invitation isn't for a select few. His invitation is for everybody. And I love the fact that Scripture is so honest with the characters in the Bible. Abraham was a liar. David uh, was an adulterer and a murderer. Uh, Saul of Tarsus killed Christians and put them in prison. But all of these people came to God and found grace through the cross of Jesus Christ. We serve a God of grace. Aren't you glad? doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what side of the tracks you come from. God issues a universal invitation, a generous invitation. He loves the world. Whosoever will may come. That's God's invitation to you this morning. I want you to know, it, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, Jesus is inviting you today to experience the salvation found in His Son. Uh, God is inviting you to experience that salvation found in His Son. So, um, what is your response? Well, it is to surrender your life to follow Him, to obey Him. It is to put your trust in Him uh, by receiving the gift of eternal life. So he invites generously. I tell you what, there are some Christians who aren't generous with other people. Have you ever noticed that? I'll have people tell me about that from time to time. Well, you know, I don't, I don't go to church because I've seen, I met this person or I met that person and I didn't much like them. And if people are like that at church, I don't want to go to church. And I can understand it. I'll be honest, there's some people in church I don't like. I'm not going to tell you who, okay? But, uh, no, not really here, but um, there have been, okay? Uh, I, I want you to know something. God is generous with other people. We should be too. We should have a heart of love toward it. doesn't matter what people have done. Praise God, he saves sinners because you and I are sinners. All of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And I want you to know... Uh, God is generous with people. There's never one person, never one sinner who came to Jesus seeking forgiveness with a humble spirit that Jesus didn't forgive. Not one. He took 
people that were outcasts, I think of Mary Magdalene, she had seven demons inhabiting her. Jesus cast them out. She's a prostitute. Um, Jesus set her free from that. Um, I think of, of uh, can you imagine uh, being Barabbas, being the person that was let go so that Jesus could be crucified? Um, I don't know if he came to faith, but it's a, it's a picture of the fact that Jesus took the place of sinners. Um, all of us have failed God, and we all need the grace of God. So God invites generously. That's one way he demonstrates his love for us. Then, secondly, he gives extravagantly. He gives extravagantly. Uh, the scripture tells us that Mary, uh, before Jesus was put to death, uh, anointed him with this very expensive perfume. It, was, it cost a year's wages. And uh, people were criticizing her. Well, that money could have been taken and used for the poor. And, and Jesus said, well, the poor you always have with me. You don't always have me. And what she has done is a beautiful thing to me. She has shown an extravagant love for me. She took the perfume and she, she poured it on his head and she poured it on his feet and she wiped it with her hair. And uh, she was showing, tears were falling because she just was so grateful that Christ had forgiven her sin. And so Jesus says, she's done a beautiful thing for me. That extravagant love is just a taste of the love that God has for you and me. I want you to know um, the greatest things. The people who have money can tell you this. Um, the greatest gifts are not the gifts that have price tags on them, but the gifts that mean something to you personally. And uh, you, there are many people who have a lot of things, but they don't have love. And uh, what is important in life are those things that, that involve the love and relationship that comes to us. And God loved us in this way. Talk about a personal gift. He gave his one and only son. That's how God loved us. There's nothing that God could have given us more precious to him than his son. He could have emptied the coffers of heaven to give them to us, but it wouldn't have compared to the gift of his son. He could have sent us several personal angels that we could order around, but that wouldn't have been a gift like the one he gave. Jesus was an extravagant gift. It was the best that heaven had to offer. Um, the scripture tells us in the Old Testament that Abraham was told by God, I want you to take your son and I want you to take him up to Mount Moriah and I want you to, to uh, sacrifice him there on the mountain. And you know the story, and Abraham and Isaac, a teenage boy, were walking up the hill to the sacrifice. Isaac says, where's the lamb? He says, God will provide a lamb. And, and they go up, and, and Isaac apparently cooperates because Abraham's able to, to tie him up, to put him on the altar. He raises the knife, and God stops him and says, wait. Now I know that your heart is mine. And he he uh, provided a lamb and a thicket for them, a ram and a thicket, for, so they could sacrifice the ram instead. But it was a picture of what Jesus would later come to do. Both in what Isaac did in, in willingly cooperating, but also uh, in the substitute of the ram for Isaac. It was a picture of what Jesus would come to do. 
I can imagine all kinds of emotions were going through Abraham's heart as he, as he walked up that hill with his son that he loved. All the promises that had been made to him were supposed to come through Isaac, and yet God had given this command that he didn't understand. And, and so he's walking. Maybe the tears are falling as he binds his son. And, and we're not told the details of their conversation, but I can imagine it was a heart-wrenching thing for Abraham. And God spared him from it, but when Jesus came, God did not spare himself. Matter of fact, Isaiah 53 tells us, it's, it says it pleased him to crush him for us. That is love. It's a love that I can't understand. It's a love that's extravagant. It's a love that music is not great enough to express. It's an extravagant love. If you've ever doubted that God would love you, look to the cross. So God shows his love for us by sending Jesus the extravagant gift. He gives extravagantly. Receive the gift today. So he invites generously all the world. He gives extravagantly his son. Thirdly, he saves completely. Look at verse 16. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish. I want you to know something today. God doesn't save you halfway. When God saves you, he saves you completely. I was talking uh, to, to someone in this past week and we were having a discussion about whether or not a, a Christian could lose their salvation. And, and I was saying this, you know, eternal life begins the moment you trust in Jesus Christ. And it lasts forever. That's why it's called eternal. It's not life till you mess up or life till you blow it. And I'm glad because I have blown it and I have messed up. It's eternal life. You see... We didn't do enough to get it in the first place, and we can't do enough to keep it. Salvation is a gift of God. The Bible says it's not of works, lest any man should boast. And so, uh, Jesus lived the perfect life in our place. That's why God can forgive us and, and treat us as his sons, because Jesus lived the life that I could not live myself in my place. And God credits his perfect righteous life to me when I put my trust in Jesus. He also took the penalty for my sin so that God's law and his justice could be satisfied. And so he saves us completely. I love what the Old Testament says. Uh, our sins are separated as far as the east is from the west. They're buried in the sea of forgetfulness. When you put your trust in Christ, he takes his divine eraser and Marks out all the ugliness and the sin of your life and makes you clean. He saves completely. And there will never be a time where you will not be his child from that moment on. Uh, you are adopted into an eternal family. You were given an eternal inheritance. We were talking a, a little bit earlier during the, the musical about a place where there's no sorrow or crying or pain. I want you to know, whatever salvation you have here... 
uh, through Jesus Christ will last to eternity. But not only that, it, it will even have greater rewards and greater blessings than the blessings we experience here. It'll be like any, like, unlike any other time we've ever experienced. He saves us completely. Um, the Bible says, now we see through a glass darkly. Then we will see face to face. The best things. Corey Ten Boom uh, shared a story about how uh, her father, when she was a little girl, whenever they would have an especially good time, he would say, this is not even a taste of what it's going to be like in heaven. And she never forgot that. And later on, when she was, uh, they were hiding Jews from the Nazis, she was taken prisoner, and she was in a prison camp and so forth. And, and she said she, she set her hope, she fixed her hope on Jesus Christ and his promise that this life is not all there is. You see, Jesus Christ saves completely. And he's the only one who can do it because he is the eternal Son of God. He's able to do it. So that demonstrates his love for us. Unconditional love. That's a rare thing in these uh, days, isn't it? To have unconditional love. But that unconditional love comes to us through Jesus Christ. Uh, Receive it today and trust in him. Worship him for it as a child of God. So, how does God show his love for us? He invites generously, he gives extravagantly, he saves completely, and he continues eternally. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Eternal life. What does the scripture say? This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Jesus' love doesn't come to you just one time at salvation. We have been saved. We are being saved. We will be saved. There's a past, present, and future to it. Um, The blessings of God continue to flow to us throughout our lives and into eternity. The love of God we can never be separated from. Um, Paul puts, puts it this way. He says, who can separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation, distress, or peril, or famine, or nakedness, or sore? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither life, nor death, nor things present, nor things to come, uh, nor height, nor depth, nor any other thing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He continues eternally to love us. I want you to know something. The love of Christ is unlike any other human love. The love of God is unlike any other love that you've ever known because it's a perfect love. Now, I love my kids, but I don't love them perfectly. I'm a sinner. I love my wife, but I don't love her perfectly. I'm a sinner. I love you people, but I don't love you perfectly because I'm a sinner. Jesus Christ, however, loves us perfectly. And and that perfect love, that unconditional love, will continue through all eternity. Who can separate us? 
from the love of Christ. That's what Christmas is about. Christmas, yes, it was a wonderful thing that Jesus was born to the Virgin Mary, but that was just the first step in a process. And that process involved Jesus going to a cross. The Bible calls him the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Why is that? Because before God ever said, let there be light, God knew that we would sin. And God knew that the price that would have to be paid could only be paid through his son. Yet he created anyway. He made you and me anyway. I I can't even wrap my mind around that love. But that is the love of God for us. The greatest love of all. So when you think about this, the, the baby, the Christ child at Christmas time, don't forget what it signifies. God sent his son, as Matthew, we read in Matthew, says, to save his people from their sin. Not just the consequences of sin. Yes, it involves the consequences. It saves us from the consequences of hell. Saves us from the consequences of separation from God. Saves us from the consequences of continuing down a sinful path and reaping the harvest. But saving us from sin itself. I want you to know, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. That comes when we are saved from sin. Because though we won't be perfect in this life, when God saves a person from sin, he he creates a new person inside them. You're a new creation in Christ. And he gives you a new set of desires to serve Christ. And through that, And through the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, as you trust him and ask him to live through you, you can live a righteous life in increasing measure. The Bible calls it sanctification, growing in your walk with God. And what will happen as you do that is you'll experience more and more of the blessing of walking with God, the closeness of fellowship. Um, This is what God desires for you. He wants to give you a new life, a fresh start, um, and to set you free from sin itself. That's That's what Christmas is about. It's about God saving people from sin, and in so doing, demonstrating his great love. How does he show it to us? He invites generously, gives extravagantly, saves completely, and continues eternally. Will you receive? The great gift of God, that salvation, eternal life that Jesus has provided for you today. If you have received it, will you thank him and praise him for it? Sometimes we take it for granted, don't we? Will you worship him? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the amazing gift that you gave us 2,000 years ago when you sent your son. Thank you for the baby in the manger, God, and and the joyful announcement of the shepherds and all of those things but God I thank you for the cross I thank you for the blood that cleanses my sin I thank you father for uh, Jesus substituting himself for me and for others and all these people who are gathered here today and God I, I thank you that Jesus rose from the dead and father I pray that if there's anyone here today who has not yet uh, chosen to surrender their heart to you and put, your, put their trust 
in Jesus Christ that they would do so today. And Father, um, I pray that you'll have your way in this time, that you'll just open our hearts, bind the enemy from this place, Father. Help our hearts and minds to be attuned to you. Um, just, uh, just speak to our hearts, Lord. And Father, I pray that each, each Christian, each person that knows Christ, will have a heart of worship and gratitude and awe at the great Lord.